Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, Episode 52. I'm Michael John Simpson. This week I'm flying solo and podcasting with a fellow independent podcaster I met at LA PodFest, host of music podcast Repeat All, Patrick Foss. Right before this recording, I was a guest on Repeat All, Episode 37, which will be released on Friday, October 23rd. Patrick and I chatted about myriad genres of music, dozens of bands, podcasts, and comic book movies and TV. You inspire in me the desire in me to never go home. Here's episode 52 of the Something Something Experience. Go ahead. Uh, uh, how does your show usually uh, go? Well, we just like, yeah. start talking. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, Is there anything in particular you wanted to... No, I'll probably just kind of ask you about, uh, you know, what kind of things you like other than music. I mean, obviously you, you have a, a music centric podcast, so we can probably, probably wind up talking quite a bit about music, but it's, it's just basically a casual conversation that kind of goes where it goes in whatever topics or, you know, kind of strike our interest, you know, whatever tangents we go on or whatever. It's very much a kind of a long and winding road of whatever. <laughs> cool. Cool. Okay. Cool. Um, so, but the, uh, thanks for having me on uh, your podcast. That was really fun. I, I haven't, haven't gotten a chance to, uh, talk about, uh, the cure or that, especially the disintegration album at length for a very, very long time. So, cause the album is 25 years old. So I've, I've found with music as, as, as things, as the release gets behind you until people start going back and revisiting things rec- retrospectively, the conversations dry up on, on certain things. Yeah. Yeah. We just, um, actually we just my the last episode we did was um it was with cheryl jones she was doing uh, movies made me mm. in that same room sure um, sure she she brought um uh the oingo boingo live album of their final yeah movies. the halloween show the, yeah i have i have a lot of friends who were there who are on uh, that record yelling and screaming on that recording <laughs> yeah she was there yeah and uh and um that that actually has been a favorite live album of mine for a long time oh yeah so, yeah so when she brought that i was super psyched and and so it's interesting to follow up like to follow up that with the cure where like those guys are they're contemporaries and it's like sort of technically in the same like in overlapping genres you, but like you bet you bet i mean i mean uh right and they could exactly it's kind of what i was saying on your podcast that about how in the gothic or alternative genre in in a lot of pop eras there's a lot of cookie cutter and a lot of stuff that sounds very much the same because that's kind of the goal. You find one one gold nugget and you want to reproduce it. But with alternative music, at least before the alternative wave of the of the mid '90s of on MTV, the, everybody had a real distinct voice. And Oingo Boingo is yet another one of those bands who crossed the line between new wave at times, between goth at times, and even with a ska base to their kind of musical sensibility, but a very unique voice. Nobody sounded like them. There were other bands that were big, you know, a big band sound or other bands that had kind of a ska reggae bass sound to them. And there were other bands that had kind of dark and spooky, kind of creepy circus sideshow sounds to them, but nothing that really kind of achieved the alchemical uh, result that Oingo Boingo did. Yeah, yeah. That 
yeah, that's a fun one. I, I got to, um, uh, like with Oingo Boingo, I, uh, I had sort of been able to get into their whole, um, catalog all at the same time. Yeah. So I didn't really, uh, I, I didn't have the perspective of some of it being the old stuff and some of it being the new stuff. It was just kind of all together. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I actually ended up enjoying their later material quite oh, a bit. Oh, sure. More. Yeah. The, like the, 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 the Boingo album. album, the, uh, what was the song, um, I Want to Kill You in Your Sleep, the one with the big long chant of the really, there was one song that they had a video for and they played it on MTV a few times and we played it on Teletoons a few times. It was a really, really long song. It was like an eight minute song, mm-hmm. but that was the one hit off of that. It was the album just called Boingo with the, uh, with yeah. the clown on the front. Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe it was, um, Insanity? Yes, that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's the one. Yeah, that later stuff that, that, that came out around the same time that Danny Elfman read, released, uh, Music for a Darkened Theater, which was a compilation of a lot of his themes that he had composed, uh, for movies. Uh, Batman and, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice and, all that and and Darkman and all the other things, a lot of the other things that he had done up to that point, and that was around the same time that that same album was released. My experience with Boingo Boingo was always whatever was on the radio or whatever I saw in a music video, and I didn't get into deep diving on their stuff, and I still haven't really deep dived. I wasn't Boingo Boingo wasn't one of those bands that I collected absolutely everything they did and did a real deep dive on them, and I guess I. I still could at some point, but it wasn't one of those. I, I always liked them, and they, they always appealed to me. But it wasn't one of those bands that really completely just kind of permeated my pores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, gosh. Oh, have we started? Oh yeah, we've been going for okay. five, five oh. minutes, six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just wondering. Nope. Yeah. There's no formality uh, to it. We just kind of start talking. <laughs> um, let's see. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess I should mention, yeah, we're talking about my show, Repeat All. Yep. Um, and, uh, um, uh, yeah, I, I feel like I've learned a lot from doing this show. Oh yeah, like, you would. I mean, anytime you talk about a thing, uh, 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 I guess it's more than a, a genre, a subject, I guess, you, you, mm-hmm. you wind up learning about it a lot, mm-hmm. way more than you expect to. Yeah, like, um... Yeah, and I've, I've been introduced to new stuff through it. Like, uh, uh, I know that when we started, um, like, right from the beginning, we always wanted it to be a mix of us just gushing about our favorite stuff and us introducing in, introducing ourselves to new things and or revisiting uh, old things and or revisiting things that we had kind of written off. Sure. Um, uh or, or visiting things that we that we had kind of already decided that we didn't like, uh, which we did a little bit of, um, and then right from the beginning we wanted to like send the message that we're doing that, that there is no allegiance to genre. So well, that's great, we and I think I think if you're going to do a music podcast, I mean, podcasting in itself is pretty niche, but uh-huh. I find. Well, I don't know. I'm kind of of two minds about it because sometimes with music, I 
am very much, I like this type of music. I don't like that type of music. But there's always exceptions. And I think, on one hand, it's a shame to potentially cut yourself off from something that you, even if you're just from a learning perspective, learning about it, but also potentially something you might wind up loving. Like I was with trip hop. Like I dismissed trip hop the first go round in the mid nineties, but then other than a couple bands, but then, or early nineties rather, but then in the two thousands when there was a little bit of a resurgence with bands like gorillas and stuff like that, I deep dove and it wound up being one of my favorite things. And now I'm even into things like alternative hip hop and, and like even like East coast, some of the East coast kind of, uh, you know, uh, De La Soul and, you know, kind of those guys. Um, but I, there's, I, go ahead. I just, re- I just recorded a gorillas episode actually. Oh, I love not gorillas. Aired yet. Um, it's, it's not going to air until like late November, but, um, they're doing the another, guys, another album. Did you guys talk about their, their upcoming album? No, it's uh, demon days. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I love demon days. Oh. Um, it was another guy at Podfest actually, Andrew, uh, from, uh, um, shut up Leonard. Oh, okay. The community podcast. He was in that room too. And, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, he wanted to talk about demon days cause it was like, um, an album that he listened to on a loop for like through high school. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. and, um, that was an album that, uh, that I had kind of written off a little bit, um, because I had the first gorillas album, when it was when when the song Clint Eastwood was just everywhere. Oh sure. And I was super pro that. Like I got into that song. It was like accessible rap music because I sure. was a white e- kid who exactly like, rap music exactly. And that's why I initially dismissed trip hop because I'm like, oh, this is just this is just rap music. And I was a dumb white kid and thought, <laughs> as I've said many times on the podcast and even said it on yours, I thought that Public Enemy was going to come kill me in my sleep and. Uh, <laughs> Because I was a dumb white kid who believed the hype and, uh, you know, and, and was up my own, own, own ass. Um, but yeah, uh, so go ahead. Well, at that point in my life, I didn't get rap music, but wanted to. Like, okay. So I was like, I was like, tr- I was in a stage when I, when I didn't have rap music that I liked yet, but I, but I was like, but I knew I was wrong. You know, I, I, knew, <laughs> I knew there was a, so, so I was looking for something to like and really trying to like it. And that song became ubiquitous kind of overnight. And then I was like, oh, I like this. I get this. And so I immediately like ran out, got the album, listened to it a ton. And then the second album came out and I got it and it, it like just didn't sound the same. Del the Funky Homo Sapien wasn't uh, on it and I just kind of put it away. Yeah. And so yeah, I'm yeah. I'm thankful for having De- recorded that episode cuz Dell to- there there's so many magical elements to Gorillas because you've got Dell, you've mm-hmm. got Dan the Automator doing some production here and there, and you've got Damon Albarn doing his thing too. But man, Dell is just a unique property. Again, going back to that thing of same sameness within a genre, within a whatever finding that one thing that's very, very unique and very, very different. And Dell is one of those, you know, all the Deltron 3030 stuff and, uh-huh. and yeah, I mean, all of that stuff. I mean, and, and since then I've gone into real wacky, crazy alt hip hop stuff like, like, uh, uh, Dr. Octagon. And, um, then you got, uh, 
you know, Lovage and uh, Handsome Boy Modeling School, which again, Dan the Automator is hands down my favorite hip hop, trip hop producer. He he is a just a magical being. He he can do yeah. no wrong. If you haven't heard Handsome Boy Modeling School and Lovage, do yourself a favor because because sure, yeah. Lovage is is not only you got the hip hop thing, you also got Mike Patton from Faith No More. Uh, unbelievable! I, saw, I heard a guy do one of the one of the Lovage songs at at that karaoke place the other night, and oh man, he just blew it out of the water. And he was singing the girl parts too; it was great. And I did uh, I did Portishead uh, uh, Glory Box after that too. So, um, so yeah, that was that was really cool to like revisit that that album and and and. Uh, and and discovered that it was actually like way better than I thought. Than oh I, yeah, oh had, yeah. And I like Plastic Beach, and I like uh, what was the one with Stylo on it? I, the Bobby Womack's last album. I mean, Bobby Womack's last album. I mean, that was the last thing he recorded. It's like ah, uh, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get those other Gorillas albums. Oh, now. they're all like, good. Stop. They're all good. And even the even the Blur album that came out. Sorry, blur. I'm, even yeah, the I'm Blur album that came that. out that came out this year is was really good. I haven't deep dove on it and listened to it real hard intently because I mostly listen to podcasts these days. Um, but yeah, it was good too. It sounds like old Blur. It sounds like. It sounds like very early Blur, which is much more Madchester-y kind of sound, you know, uh, there's no other way kind of thing, um, you know, kind of pre-song two kind of stuff. Um, but it, it's, I thought about having a music podcast, but A, there's a bajillion of them out there, just like there's a million yeah. comedy podcasts, hello, um, but, but... Yeah, I do love conversations about music, but I also really feel out of touch. Um, I've been so deep dive on podcasts the last couple of years, I've missed a lot. I mean, I'm such a bad Cure fan, I didn't even get tickets to the bowl. Uh, I'm, you know, it's sold out, and I'm so mad at myself. My favorite band in the world, I haven't seen them since... Inland Invasion in 2005, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I'm out of touch with music. And I have had friends who've been to so many amazing concerts recently. Just this year, Front 242 was here, and um, Zymox was here, and um, people just went and saw Garbage at the Greek. Um, unbelievable. Um, major, major bands for me. And I miss the boat and I'm way out of touch on music these days. So that's why I haven't done a music podcast, but I love talking about music. I used to sit and just talk music all day, every day, all the time. Yeah. I have to really limit the number of podcasts that I subscribe to or else I won't (laughs) listen to enough music. That's right. Oh yeah. Um, That's, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So there's really only a handful that I regularly listen to, and then I'll pick up an episode here or there. Other than that, but but really, yeah, I uh, I really um, it can get addictive, and I try oh, to yeah. try to maintain like you know listening to music more than anything else. Yeah, and and funny thing, being at the Podfest and being on being a guest on other people's podcasts, 
and you know your own vanity takes over in the car then you start <laughs> listening to theirs too i'm like oh shit now my now my list of podcasts has got has grown yeah. of course now i have a new job and my my commute's longer so i i'm able to to get them in now but um yeah so you said <clears throat> um that your podcast uh has kind of expounded your expanded your horizons what was kind of your wheelhouse before you started uh like classic rock okay um, yeah that's like i grew up with that and um because pa- of parents or older siblings or parents. just parents um, um now which which type of classic rock are we talking like 60s acid rock or are we talking also the kind of 80s metal as well lumped in kind of the klos model of of uh, it's like uh of, it's like 60s 60s and 70s rock like okay you know yeah so queen, real classic rock yeah yeah the queen queen was number one in Fa- my household oh. and still is number one in my heart and what a great choice yeah. yeah, that's right. You were telling you said on 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 the brief snippet when you were on my compilation episode from the uh, from the Podfest, you said the qu- classic Queen was your number one favorite album. You said uh, Queen two or Queen two. Sorry, yeah, Queen yeah. two, Queen two. Um, and uh, and yeah, that, I mean, I that I've kept with that music, like that's never left me. But um, like my parents always sort of pretty conservative and and. Uh, kind of didn't didn't really expand outward from that very much and so i grew up sort of with uh, a conscious with uh with it in my consciousness that that um that i needed to expand outward well they at some point they, and, your, your parents sound like very loyal baby boomers <laughs> yeah yeah maybe um yeah but they they would never go like sort of farther in like uh, towards the present day than mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. it was always you know heavy metal was always too extreme right um right. and rap music was completely out of the question oh yeah 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 um yeah i i grew up in in the suburbs in denver uh during the 80s and classic rock was that's what everybody was listening to i was listening to some new wave well i i started off in the 70s listening to light what was called uh soft rock which is encompassed by classic rock to a degree. It's some of the lighter, more emotional stuff. Your bread, your America, your Paul McCartney and Wings, your Seals and Crofts. Not quite the harder. Um, this was stuff was very, very 70s, very, very post-hippie kind of thing. Um, um, but so I started with that. Because that was what was on the radio at the time. And then disco, and then after that, New Wave. But then once New Wave stopped being played on radio stations, kind of around 86, 87, then it was classic rock. And then I got an internship at a classic rock station in Denver and went way down that rabbit hole and, you know, doors... Uh, you know, Doors, Stones, Beatles, Airplane, Doobies, Bob Seger, you, you know, all of that stuff. And, and all of that's still very, very fresh in my brain. Whenever I hear it, I'm right there with it. Uh, today, uh, my wife and I were out at the Love Ride, uh, festival out in Castaic, um, and, uh, uh, 
Social Distortion and Foo Fighters uh, played. And Foo Fighters was alternating songs doing Foo, Foo Fighters tune, classic rock tune. Foo Fighters tune, classic rock tune. He played, uh, cool. they played, uh, and did really great renditions, great covers of, um, Rod Stewart, Pink Floyd. Um, the guy, one of the guys from Rat came out and sang a song uh-huh. with them. Um, uh, yeah, so they were doing really good, like, classic rock cover tunes and that was a lot of fun too so it kind of you know took me down that hole as well so i'm very much in the wheelhouse of classic rock so after so you start the podcast what what was what was the first album that really kind of jumped out and bit you in the ass and or like that was that was new to me that picked you Um, up and threw you across the room uh that would be like uh well there's a couple of different answers to that. Okay. Like, um, they Might Be Giants Flood oh. was an album that I had heard before. Oh, <laughs> oh but, sorry, um, sorry. I Just just the mention of either the band They Might Be Giants or that album both just give me giddy, giddy tingles. I'm like, I'm like a schoolgirl just thinking about that album. So please, please so, go ahead. <laughs> well, like I haven't been into They Might Be Giants that long, and up until that point, I had almost exclusively listened to their first album, and was kind of yeah. stuck on it. Lincoln, where, like any time yeah. I wanted to listen to They Might Be Giants, I kind of just went back to that album and didn't look at anything else. And I was the same way. I had I had the tape for Lincoln before I met my first wife, and. Right after we moved in together, we talked about on your podcast about 1989 being a banner year for alternative music. Mm-hmm. Flood was one of those albums. We, when we first moved in together, within a couple months, we did the Columbia, Columbia Records thing and got the 16 albums for a penny and wound up being in horrible debt at some point. But we, the albums we got were, we already had the Cure Disintegration because I said I stole the demo to- copy from the record store I was working at. We got uh, Nine Inch Nails, Pretty Hate Machine, um, New Order Substance, um, uh, They Might Be Giants, Flood, Sinead O'Connor's, I Do Not uh, Know What I Have, or do, want, do Not Want What I Haven't Got, um, and there was one or two others, but yeah, Flood, oh my god, just beginning to end, a delight. Yeah. So yeah, this was... Um you know, I even had the album. Like, I already had it. <laughs> but you and I, weren't... And I had, like, given it a try and was like, I still kind of just want to listen to the first one. But you hadn't really tried it on and walked around in it for a week, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yeah. They Might Be Giants is, is uh, it's a higher level of difficulty. It takes some time. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, it, again, very unique voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, and really genre-defying. You can't mm-hmm. put They Might Be Giants in a box. They no. cover all forms, all genres. Sure, they started off as two guys with a, a guitar and an accordion doing music, doing song, new songs every day on their answering machine in Brooklyn. But they have so far transcended, so far moved past that, so far. And I've seen them in concert a dozen times. They're amazing showmen. They're incredibly intelligent you can just you can just feel the lobes thumping when you listen to them <laughs> yeah so yeah like this was um so this was my my co-host jim jim uh, hi jim we, <laughs> we um 
we were talking about like what we wanted to do for those that first handful of episodes. Sure. And um, I said we should do a They Might Be Giants album, and we were kind of going back and forth, like I want to do the first one, he wanted to do Flood, and I ended up going, okay, we'll do Flood, and and I'm glad I did because that, uh. yeah. So that one's <laughs> that's of, of the of the albums that we've done that's maybe the one that has become most my favorite oh yeah but it's not it wasn't really totally new to me right what was totally new to me was um uh the album the sound of perseverance by death which i had no experience with death metal before that right other than like giving it a listen and deciding it wasn't for me and then forgetting about it right and um and so being able to like take time with that and like we talked about on my show, like uh, listening through what, like the initial just like experience of it as different from what you're used to, listening through that and really living in it long enough to hear the variations and yeah. hear yeah. hear the real art in it. And uh, I ended up enjoying that one a lot more than I expected. Yeah. Um, and then later we did a black metal album called Blizzard Beasts by Immortal. Immortal. That's the one you and I briefly talked about that album, uh, at the Podfest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was kind of like, uh, I really like that episode. Uh, just, I, I've gone back, I'll occasionally go back and listen to an episode for quality control purposes. Sure. And I went back to that one and I felt like that was a particularly good one. Um, cool. Just cause, uh, yeah, it was it was one where like even more than um, than death metal, which you know you can get into more of the you know the melodies. There's there's more melodies. There's there's more hooks. There's there's more for somebody with a classic rock background to dig into in death metal than in oh, black metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because black metal, that's all the grrr stuff and and the yeah. the the machine gun bass drum double bass drum. But yeah. the the death metal. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm very inexperienced in a lot of those genres. I have a lot of friends who who are really into metal, and metal always was a bit too macho for me. I'm I'm <laughs> one of the things we discussed on your podcast was I was kind of a kind of a you know not typical guy, I, and I'm I'm very not really a macho dude, and so metal music was always just so too very too much masculine for me. And, huh. and, and for my sensibilities. And since then I've been able to go back and, and enjoy it aesthetically or enjoy it with kind of a wry smile of, of kind of enjoying the fun of it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and when I stopped being afraid of it, I went to Christian yeah. schools for a time as a kid and oh, wow. was very afraid. I mean, there was a while when I stopped listening to Led Zeppelin and I stopped listening to this and listening to that because it was the devil's music and, once I got the hell over that, then I was able to, it's like, no, I just like the song because it's a good song. It has nothing to do yeah. with whatever. They're not trying to convert me into whatever this or that. It has nothing to do with that. I mean, Stairway to Heaven is about Lord of the Rings. You know, it's nothing to do <laughs> yeah. with the devil. And if, if you play it backwards, you're to hear my sweet Satan. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know, and I know they did radio shows about that and shit in the eighties, but no, come on. <laughs> um, uh, it's so, interesting that you should say like heavy metal, like that you perceive heavy metal as being macho. Yeah. Like I, I like my experience of 
heavy metal and particularly extreme metal is that it's nerdy music. Oh, very much so. It's very technical, like, very nerdy. Yeah. They're very into their instruments, very into their their pedals and their and their the the the, the, the science of it and the technical technicality of it. You're right. It's very very nerdy. Those are the guys who play Dungeons and Dragons and read uh, read uh, uh, Tolkien and you you bet you bet. Yeah, like um like that that uh, that black metal album Blizzard Beast uh. Like it all, like it and their other albums, like that band, they they always write from within a mythical fantasy world that they made up called Bashir. Nice. And uh, and you know so, and and it's got this like sort of dark fantasy uh, uh, flavor to it, and and so much of it is about like like wandering alone and nature and and all of this stuff. And then the sound of perseverance is really introspective and uh it's actually kind of <laughs> it's actually kind of uh uh similar in a way to the cure in that sense of sure being, like really introspective and um and about the ways that people hurt each other sure and sure. uh um yeah and, and i was kind of surprised by that when i listened to it i was like wow this is this is like um this is this is music about relationships yeah. in a way that I didn't expect. You bet, you bet, because because metal music has always had this uh, idea of being for misfit, pock faced, long haired stinky teenage boys who can't <laughs> who can't get laid, and that's who likes metal music and. From because of that, and and it's I'm sh- and that's bullshit. I mean, it, it's it's a it's a it, it's it's a false uh, labeling or pigeonholing, if you will. But there was always that sensibility of of that, and maybe that was you know parents groups trying to teach us or trying to, to steer us away from metal music uh, and saying, well, you don't want to be one of them, do you? And I didn't want to be one of those guys. I wanted to be the guys who who got inside the girl's head in order to get into her pants um, and did that or through the heartstrings through the music. Um, but then I was, you know, much less about getting, like like Scroobius Pip says, don't never use, uh, thou shalt not use music to get inside girls' pants, use it to get inside their heads. And I became more about that as time went on as well. But... So the metal thing, all the metal guys I knew were those guys with the long feathered hair and the and you know who didn't smell good, who wore jean jackets, and I tried to fit into that group because until goth and kind of counterculture of that ilk came along, that was the only real rebellion that there was. That was the only way to really walk around with a label on you that says I'm not going to be normal for you. Yeah, and. So I tried fitting in via classic rock, but really shirking metal. I listened to some hard rock, some of the Zeppelin, some of the Aerosmith, some of that. And But then the fun thing that strikes me as so funny now is there was one guy who was clearly the best guitar player in all of our high school who had a Queen patch on his jacket. And later, yeah. knowing what we know of Freddie Mercury and Queen, I mean, you got a guy with a handlebar mustache in a band prancing around on stage with capes behind him in a band called Queen. How much more plain English does it need to be? 
<laughs> and uh, and Rob Halford, you know, uh, Judas Priest, same yeah. thing. Le- those guys were leather daddies. I mean, come on. Uh-huh. And and but at the time, it was the epitome of masculinity, and that's right. how it was seen, and that's how it was presented. Yeah. Well, and um, and actually, like something I discovered after that death episode. Um, on that album, Death covers a Judas Priest song, um, uh, Painkiller. Okay, yeah. And um, and that album came out in, uh, like, September 1998. And then I looked it up and found out that Rob Halford first spoke openly about being gay in around January, February 1998. Yep. So, uh, like, given that connection, like, I don't, I don't have any evidence, like, directly that this is true, but it really seems to me like they put that cover on that album as a show of support. You bet. Oh yeah. Without question. Cause there, there was, was definitely a, div- Rob Halford's coming out was definitely a dividing line in that community. And now nobody gives a shit. I mean, even, right. even Judas priest, even those guys kick kind of kicked him out of the band, even though it was his band and they got another guy to go sing with them. But then I think they've gone back and embraced him or something at that, you know, after the fact, but yeah, uh, all the metal guys I knew were anti-fag and all that. And, and you know, that all seemed kind of silly to me. Because once I went to Rocky Horror and kind of really learned that people are just people, mm-hmm. that that was yet another reason to kind of be, you know, turned off by that whole metal thing. Yeah. But now... Things like Metalocalypse and, <laughs> you know, but what a great, what a great intro to the, to the pageantry and the silliness of all of that. Yeah. yeah. Of, because metal music always seems so scary and so serious yeah. and so, you know, we're going to beat you up or, you know, that, that masculine war cry. And <laughs> now you look back and it's so damn silly. That yeah. those guys are like, wow, this is really going to piss some parents off. And that's it. It's rock and roll. Marilyn Manson, you know, Ozzy Osbourne. You know, I, I really, I've had this conversation a couple times in the last probably 10 years of, I wonder what the next Marilyn Manson is going to be. Because in the 70s, it was Alice Cooper in the and somewhat Black Sabbath. In the 80s, it was Ozzy Osbourne and maybe like uh, King Diamond Although yes. King Diamond w- didn't have the mainstream notoriety because he was blatant about being Satanist. He doesn't, he yeah. didn't just put pentagrams and, 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 you know, sing shout at the devil. He was out and out. I'm a Satanist. Satan! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but then Marilyn Man, you know, Alice Cooper, Marilyn Manson comes out, but then I think, I think Columbine kind of killed metal music in the mainstream eye. Mm-hmm. At least it seemed to coincide with that event. And that's kind of sad, because Manson's career kind of dried up after that. I mean, he's still putting yeah. out albums, but they're not getting played on the radio, and, and nobody I know is going to see him in concert anymore, which is sad, because what an amazing showman and a great musician and and what a guy with a with a unique another unique voice you know there's a blind spot for me actually marilyn manson oh dude if you like metal music if you like alternative music and metal music i think you probably really like marilyn manson i really like him but a lot of people in california always saw him as a poser 
I mean, I but they used to play Marilyn Manson songs at the goth clubs in Denver. Um, but, you know, he kind of rode the line between heavy metal, industrial metal, I think is the way that he's always yeah. kind of been, been, and, and that's, you know, definitely has a wheelhouse, you know, some, some, some fingers in the pool of the goth scene too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like those were the ones that were the most sort of new to me that I ended up really enjoying. Uh, and then with, um, like most recently, like in terms of like guests bringing, I'm sorry. Go, uh, say that I, again. Mo- most recently, like uh, guests bringing albums that I'd never heard before. Um, I had David Reese on, uh, and he brought uh, "Double Nickels on the Dime" by Minutemen. Oh yeah, yeah. Which, I think you talked um, about that one as well. Yeah, he, that was his favorite album, and and uh, I really enjoyed that. Cool. Because um, I've always been a Talking Heads fan. Yeah. So yeah. that seemed like a natural continuation of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to. Th- think of other ones jerry uh, harrison is another you know he off shot he, he had a band called the casual gods that after talking after he left talking heads and that was another another good thing is a good 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 place to go to so and then of course tom tom club you know any any offshoot yeah. of talking heads was good except for <laughs> david byrne ray momo that's an abomination <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I never I, got into his They were burning that album in the streets of Brazil. <laughs> but the follow-up oh. album was pretty good. I, you know, I gave Miss America. That's a, that's a good. So. Um. Oh, oh yeah, I was going to mention. Like speaking of Metalocalypse, uh, they are trying to bring that back. Oh, that would that, have you that, seen that would this on Twitter. I have not. That would be great. Ah, hashtag Metalocalypse now. Cool. Uh, cool. They're they're trying to they're trying to petition Adult Swim and Hulu and, and stuff to get a final season of that show. Oh, maybe. nice, nice, nice. Because I guess it ended on a big like I haven't seen the latest one, but yeah, I never. Yeah, I I, I kind of checked out in that kind of halfway through the second season. So, uh, but it was a fun show, I and love it, that and show. again, it just yeah, just really well. The the great thing about that show was the the guy who who produced and, and wrote it and produced it also did all the music and stuff. Um, so, uh-huh. and, and seeing them, like, seeing behind the scenes stuff of, of them in the studio doing all the music for the, for the show, for the cartoon, mm-hmm. and, and. And they tour. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tour yeah. as Deathlock. Yeah. I was sorry that, uh, I wasn't on board that train when they did the joint, uh, uh, Deathlock Metalocalypse. Or sorry, Deathlock Mastodon. Yeah. Tour. Yeah. Like uh, I, I have, I have a lot, a few friends who went to that. Um, uh, yeah. Ground Control. I would later become a big Mastodon fan, but I wasn't. Oh, okay. On that train at the time. Is so. that? Are they another melodic death metal band? No, they are. Uh, they're like uh, I guess they're considered like sludge metal, or you oh. know, they're and and more, more recently they've been going into more kind of hard rock territory. Okay. Okay. But man, incredible band, and and like. Like uh, progressive metal. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Type. Yeah. And man, oh man, they're good. Um, yeah, I became a huge fan of them. Um, I like a lot of progressive metal. I'm a big. I'm a fan of Tool, and uh, I guess Helmet kind of fits that bill. Um, maybe some. Um, 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 who else? I'm trying to think of other progressive metal. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, yeah. Tool, I guess, is probably the one that comes mostly to mind. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Maybe Pussifer, although they they're much more experimental, more trip hoppy kind of sound. 
Um, so yeah, let's see. We've done like 36 episodes. Yours, yours will be number 37. Excellent. Um, and, uh, yeah, so yeah, we've been, we sort of plan these episodes out ahead of time okay. as much as possible. And so we have, we've been able to do like some albums right when they come out. Cool. Which is always kind of exciting because, uh, the darkness came oh. out with a new album. Yeah, too. I heard that. I heard that. Yeah. And I've, I've been a darkness fan since the beginning and like really never thought that they would get back together again. Yeah. Uh, and they and were, they were, did. they were a very, very unique thing that, and I, it was one of those things where at the time I kind of went, Oh, I see what you're doing. All right. And I, you know, I, okay, I'm, I good. I dipped my toe in. All right. And not my, not my wheelhouse necessarily. And there was another band, Eagles of death metal. They were kind of doing that kind of, uh, humorous take on, you know, kind of almost tongue in cheek version, kind of almost like a caricature of of like a metal band kind of thing. Would yeah. you would you would you agree with that assessment? Uh, not necessarily of the darkness. I I would call the darkness like they definitely have a sense of humor that runs through their stuff, but I wouldn't call it jokey or or like a parody. Like I would say that they are like, maybe kind of a, maybe more pastiche is a is a, a better word. A little bit, yeah. Like they would fit in as a band of like the late seventies, like as a weird band of the late seventies. Sure, but I think they have their own voice, and those are just sort of the songs that are in their hearts, and and that's just sort of how it comes out. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I think they get laid. I think I think people kind of have a tendency to 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 label them as more like jokey than they actually or more are. more like a novelty type thing. Like they're they're yeah. putting on they're putting on a they're putting on a show instead of that's really their true genuine voice. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Steel Panther, they are not. <laughs> okay, well then 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 maybe maybe I misread their thing. To me, they sounded very much like a. Hey, we're doing this kind of thing. Not really hipstery, uh, hipsterizing it, but, or satirizing it necessarily, but they're kind of a pastiche to another time. But if that's really then their real honest, true voice, then hey, great, cool. Yeah. And I say that as like a huge diehard. Of course, of course. And you know what? (laughs) And, 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 but that's the thing about music is, is, it's like, you know, like Public Enemy said, don't believe the hype. And, and I believe yeah. the hype and, you know, <laughs> was a dumb white kid. But it, it just, it, it further illustrates how unlike other artistic subjects, music can be mm-hmm. so many things to so many people. Yeah. We You talk a lot about gorillas in listening to them in high school and for me gorillas was very much a haven't set foot inside a classroom for you know 20 years type of thing or 10 years type of thing and how different songs hit different people at different places in their lives and how those songs those those albums those bands that stay with you get you through those times it's kind of like we were talking about with the cure and disintegration about you know wallowing in depression and then being able to come up out of the other side and touch bottom and and kick up and hit the surface and come out of it and it's always interesting to me hearing god damn maybe i should start a music podcast about hearing (laughs) how those those things affect people in different ways and and how people's personal stories about 
how how music affects them. I've always been interested in that. Yeah. Um. Yeah that 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 was pretty cool. Like, um, and it was cool to see Jim like become kind of a fan, like having not heard the darkness before. Cool. Uh, and then uh, just coming up pretty Did- soon, like in another two episodes, we're gonna do. The new Joanna Newsom album okay. has not come out yet. Okay, um, but I uh, I saw the new music video when it first, like the first day it came out. I clicked on it, not knowing really what it was, and became totally mesmerized by that song, Sapaconic End. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I can't wait for that album to come out so I cool. can listen to it and then do an episode. That one's going to be because I still won't have Jim. That's going to be with. Um, with my wife and like several of her friends, yeah, all all in a room together, just like because they're all big fans and have been big fans of hers uh, a lot longer than I have. So cool, that'll cool. Be pretty yeah, I'm not I'm not familiar at all, but um, uh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, timing out those episodes. So do you do you do a lot of lot of prep for stuff or or like when you first started the podcast, did you get a bunch of episodes in the can and then start putting them out one by one, or did you just record and post, record and post? We we record and post, record and post, but we do plan them out ahead so we can like give it a couple of weeks of listening cool. to each one. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, cool. yeah, that's my show. It's I I have a ton of fun doing it. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, clearly, I mean, it, hearing anybody, it, it it's nice. It's 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 really refreshing being able to deep dive on music again. Like I said, it's something yeah. I haven't done for a long time, and something that used to be very very. Uh, passionate for me. There was a year, I want to say 2012. Let me see if I can open up iTunes without crashing everything in the world. Um, <laughs> but there was a year here a couple years ago. Yeah, it. I think it was 2012 where there was, was it 2012 or 2013? 2013 when there was just a shit ton of amazing good new Music. 2013 was an amazing year. Alice in Chains, Arctic Monkeys, Adams for Peace, Blue Hawaii, Boards of Canada, Tomorrow's Harvest came out then. David Bowie put out an album that year. Nick yes, Cave, that is a great album Nick too. Cave put out an album that year. Churches, Daft Punk, Deltron 3030, going back to our Dell the Funky Homo Sapien. Oh, that's right. They, Event yeah. 2, yeah, Event 2. Depeche Mode put out an album that year. Eels put out uh, two albums that year. Filter. Uh, Fits in the Tantrums, Franz Ferdinand, Frontline Assembly, and yes, I'm going alphabetically, Goldfrapp, Robin Hitchcock put out How to Destroy Angels, uh, Nine Inch Nails Side Project, The Joy Formidable, The Knife, Lord, Lord's album was that year. Low put out an album that year. Luzine, uh, Mazzy Star put out a new album that year. MGMT, Morchiba, bands from the 90s. My Bloody Fucking Valentine put out an album that year. <laughs> Nightmares on West. Nine Inch Nails also put out Hesitation Marks. Gary Newman put out a new album. Pearl Jam put out Pet Shop Boys, Phoenix, Placebo, Primal Scream, Queens of the Stone Age, She and Him, Sigur Row, Skinny Puppy, Suede, The London Suede, They Might Be Giants put out Nanobots that year. Tricky, Vampire Weekend, M83. Oh my god, M83, the Oblivion out, the Oblivion soundtrack. 
uh, one, one of the best movie soundtracks in a very long time. And then The World's End came out that year. Uh, the the Nick Frost, uh, you know, the third film in the Cornetto trilogy, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And it had. No, I still haven't seen that. Oh my god! And it's got so much amazing music: Primal Scream, Blur, Soup Dragons, Happy Mondays, uh, Suede, Beautiful South, James Pulp, uh, Teenage Fan Club, Stone Roses, Soul to Soul. I mean, it was. 2013 was just a banner glorious. So it's like a 1989 all over again. <laughs> I mean, it was just astounding. And we're I'm, about to do next day on the show, actually. Oh, cool. In another month or so. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. That's that. Oh, so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know how to first approach Bowie on the show. Well, because with is like with reverence, with reverence, Bowie is oh, God. Yeah. I, I, it, listening to the podcast. If you go back and listen to my previous albums or check out my Facebook page, you'll you'll get to know that I have been a I've been a worshiper of Bowie since since teenhood. And and oh man, that that man, that man, yeah. he is he is uh, again. I, you I, know, I, Bowie. I think the Beatles. Yes, especially on alternative music. Beatles were a hugely influential band. I don't think any one person was as influential on modern music as David Bowie. No, it's uh, I. Uh, I'm usually fairly calm when meeting like celebrities or people that I admire. Like I'm, I'm generally cool. I think I honestly think if I met David Bowie, I would freak the fuck out. Oh like, yeah! Oh I my god! Person who I would probably, music. I would probably shit and come at the same time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> pardon, uh, pardon my vulgarity. We're very free, uh, free flowing with language on our podcast. We earn our explicit tag each and every week. But yeah, I mean, Bowie is hands down. I just, I worship the man. He, he, yeah. a, just a, a true singularity to have, yeah. to have seen the things he's done, put out the music that he's done, done the movies that he's done, the the people he's worked with, the things that he's seen, and the th- places he's been, and just. Oh, he's just a, a singular shining star. The world is going to be very, very sad. I mean, yeah, losing John Lennon was rough. Losing, you know, fill in the blank, other, you know, rock icons, George Harrison, rock icons, other people, Elvis, blah, blah, blah. But Bowie, oh man, the world. If Bowie dies. The world, if yeah, if he ever dies, the world was the, is going to, to shudder, shudder mightily. Um, so. What you you said you the 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 next uh, couple uh, you've got a couple more choices made for albums for the next few episodes. Um, is there anything? Is there any place musically you're wanting to go that you feel you haven't, for some reason, has stopped you from uh, going there for whatever um, reason? Gosh. Like me personally, or with the show? With the show, but I mean, yeah, um, but I mean, with the show that you're like, wow, I can't do this justice, or wow, I don't, I don't know what to say about this, or wow, I'm afraid. <laughs> Whatever, I mean, because music can do that to you. Um, I mean, gosh. I was, uh, I don't know. I like we've we've really like tried to do we've 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 really tried to cast as as wide a net as we can. Um, and uh yeah, I mean we've done jazz fusion, we've done wow. uh we've done uh classical music, we've done um yeah, I really yeah, I mean I don't see us as really having much in the way of limits 
Okay. Uh, okay. You know, and, and we've gone into stuff that we specifically go like, oh, I hate, like, I don't like the Guess Who. I've never, I like. Okay. Like, and, and so, and Jim, my co-host, uh, You know, you're Jeff not, Tull. you're not the, fr- uh, hates Tull. <laughs> is, yeah. it the fl- is it the flute <laughs> or the too much snot talk? <laughs> well, it's his, it's his, um, it's his voice. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, uh, and. So we did a two-parter where we did a Jethro Tell album and we did a Guess Who album All right. and just got into it. So you both you both bit the bullet. All right. Yeah. So you guys really are kind of doing unflinching, unafraid, just kind of venturing wherever you wherever wherever the trail leads. Okay. Cool. No, yeah. that's great. I just you know because I I like I said, there's been certain genres, certain types of music that for whatever reason I've been intimidated or or driven away from or turned off to from time to time um so yeah but you guys are are like yeah, we're really being brave that's cool no that's cool that's um, cool oh uh speaking of like albums that i explored for this show that uh that stuck with me probably one of the biggest ones is the band's self-titled album yeah yeah you were saying that at podfest too yeah that that has stuck with me in a huge way yeah and um i had started listening to it before we decided to do it on the show, but it's still very recent and fresh. Um, so yeah, that one was huge. Uh, and um, but yeah, so uh, oh 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 oh, and um, like episodes, like if if for example you're like looking for an episode to go to that is like kind of the weird shit, we did do um, uh, uh, philosophy of the world by the Shags. Sure familiar yeah like that that one that one is maybe in terms of albums to go and listen to uh, like I, I really can't recommend anything as strongly as I would recommend that one because it's really unlike anything you could ever hear any anywhere else um, you know even if you don't get into the band there's other stuff like the band that you could get sure into. sure like, I think the song off of that that really the night they drove old Dixie down was probably the yeah. one that sticks out the most in my mind from that. Yeah, I'm looking and at. I'm looking uh, and what? Cripple Creek. Cripple Cripple Creek. Up on Cripple, I, Cripple I, Creek. I, speaking of karaoke, I sang that one. Oh, cool. Uh, cool. At at Podfest <laughs> when they did the live band karaoke on the final night, I went up and sang that song. That was fun. Yeah, I'm trying to think back. I'm looking at song titles from from the band Self Titled, and I'm trying. Yeah, the one the night they drove old Dixie down is the one that really really is sticking. Yeah. And Leave on Helm, I I have kind of a, a weird side thing. And Leave on Helm died what two years ago? A couple years ago? Not that long. Ago. Not that long ago. I have a weird sidebar with him because I was a big SCTV fan, and. Yeah. Uh, Levon Helm was one of the when they started having musical guests on SCTV. Are you familiar with SCTV? Second City. Yeah, uh, I've well, never seen the show. Well, the, I, yeah, the show uh, was was kind of a uh, contemporary of SNL and Fridays in the eighties, seventies, and eighties. Started off in Canada and then got in more of a, a wider distributorship and wound up on NBC. Um, it's, they were starting off doing, uh, 90 minute or 60 minute episodes and then eventually went to 90 minute episodes. Um, but they were kind of doing sketch comedy with some musical guests kind of without a, without a live audience. So, and it was much more about writing than catchphrases and that sort of thing. 
Um, but one of the episodes, they had Levon Helm's band on. This was af- way after the band. But the, they had Levon Helm's band on. Um, and he did, um, uh, was it Sweet Georgia Wine? Yeah, Sweet Georgia Wine. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I kind of had this kind of Levon Helm experience apart from the band. And it, there was a few other times when he showed up. He also, I think his band was on SNL. And I have the first five seasons from the 70s uh, on DVD. Oh. So, so yeah, the, 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 you, you, it was just the, the kind of weird thing that, that Levon Helm always kind of sticks out um, yeah. in my mind that way. He's a great singer, great drummer. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, oh, like if like one other song on that album that will really stick with you if you hear it is called Jawbone. Uh huh. Like that song, holy crap! Like that became my favorite band song. Okay. After I heard it. Cool. Um, yeah. Anyway, like if you want to talk about something other than music. <laughs> well, show, well, yeah. I mean, obviously we're talking about music a lot. I mean, that, but that's kind of yeah. like the focus of your podcast. But so what other kind of, uh, uh, as, as Jackie Cation would say, what other dorkdoms are, are you, could you kind of visit? <laughs> well, lately I've been try, kind of trying to like go back and watch some, uh, some like classic movies that I either have, haven't seen for a long time or haven't seen. Sure. Like I finally rewatched 2001 a Space Odyssey. Oh yeah. Um, after have not having seen it for years and years and years and not really getting it the first time. Oh, of course not. Uh, Nobody so. ever gets that movie the first time. Straight <laughs> yeah. or stoned. Unlike Pink Floyd The Wall, which you can totally get if you're stoned the first time you see it. So mm-hmm. I've heard. Um, but Or you can get it by repeated viewings. I'm in the latter category. But 2001, it's, it's, it is a masterpiece. And it is mm-hmm. a singularity. Damn, is that movie hard to get through? It really <laughs> is, and I love slow, lingering uh, Kubrick. I love me some Eyes Wide Shut. I love me some uh, The Shining. I love me, you know, slow tracking shots Kubrick. But mm-hmm. man, that movie is yeah. It's a it's it's a commitment. <laughs> it's got an intermission. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the screen goes black and says intermission yeah. in the middle of this movie. Yeah, just like just like the sound of music. <laughs> yeah, or or Gone with the Wind. I think Gone with the Wind has two. <laughs> yeah. So that was really cool. Um, in terms of geekdoms or nerddoms, uh, gosh, um, I feel like I've been burned too many times by these superhero movies. Okay. Uh, at, I, I I'm done with Marvel movies forever now. Wow. Okay. That's a bold. <laughs> that's a bold statement. Um, I'm yeah. very much looking forward to Star Wars. Um, yes. Yeah. Very very much. And it, you know that's that's Marvel Disney. Well, not really Marvel, but yeah. I not having grown up, and I've talked about this on my podcast before, but having growing up being a Super Friends watcher uh, and being very much in the DC wheelhouse. Uh-huh. Um didn't get into comics until later was never really that much into Marvel comics. So these Marvel movies are all new experiences for me. So I don't know, I don't know from good or bad, but I do enjoy them very much. I mean, I haven't read much comics either. Like I was never a Marvel comics guy, but I, I just feel like, you know, I saw Iron Man and Iron Man was fun the first time I saw it. And, uh, actually before that, 
Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire, and okay. I enjoyed the those three X-Men movies. Tommy Maguire and Spider-Man 2. Sorry, that's a super uh, ego reference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then starting with Iron Man, like as soon as I saw Iron Man 2... Uh, well, Iron Man was, 2 was not good. It was bad. Iron uh, Man 3, however, was pretty pretty good. Yeah, I didn't see Iron Man three, uh, and then actually something something happened. I think the moment when it turned was when I was in a hotel room with my wife, and uh, we were just turning on the TV, looking for something that was on, and Iron Man was on first one. And I was like, "Oh, you haven't seen this? I remember this being fun. Let's watch this." Okay. And you really and hated it the second time. The second time, it was like, "Oh my god, how did I like this the first time? It was so." You know, it's like I I finally seen enough of those comic book movies that right. it's like, oh, yeah, I okay. kind of know what's going to happen ahead of it happening, right? Throughout this whole movie, right, right, right. Well, and yeah, because so like, since there since there's an arc, since there's a a continuity to them, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word, since there is a a an order that they go in and events happen, and when you know something else is going to happen in the future, and that happens before. But I don't know. I it, to me, it's like a like an unprecedented universe building uh, exercise. It is that. Yeah, that's... and and I I don't think that anybody since oh I don't know maybe a Joss Whedon who's now kind of involved in these movies, but nobody's really built a universe the way you know that way before. And, yeah. it, and it's that, it, that is like an interesting thing about it that in and of itself i mean feige being able to wrangle all that and and keep track of it and and be a nerd and be allowed to be a nerd before he's an executive that that makes it kind of unique i don't know i like them i think they're fun i never put a lot of stock or expectation on a comic book movie i'm expecting to have to suspend a lot of disbelief because it's a comic book movie but i grew up on you know on 79 Superman and, and, you know, the, the, what, well, see, okay, for me, the comic book movie that doesn't hold up anymore is 89 Batman. That movie really? is, is bad. I mean, really? Nicholson I... is a, an amazing, gifted, stellar talent, and he is, Trying so desperately to be Caesar Romero in that movie, and it's <laughs> it's it's not. Yeah. It doesn't hold up. That's now the second I seen it in forever. The second one, and I used to worship those movies. I used to worship the Tim Burton Batman movies. Loved them, loved them, loved them. Have tons of collectibles. Have boxes full of toys and things, and loved them, loved them, loved them. But then once Christopher Nolan's sensibility came around. And once you see Heath Ledger and you mm-hmm. see somebody who the people dismissed as him just trying to be Nicholson, and to me, he's a complete departure from Nicholson. Absolutely. People to try to dismiss Ledger being Nicholson. However, I would submit if you go back and watch 60s Batman, which I adore, and watch 89 Batman... Nicholson's trying to be Cesar Romero, and yeah. Ledger is not trying to be... Yeah, I mean, Ledger, what Ledger did was something, like, incredible, which was to make a genuine effort to to, to plumb the depths of that character. Yeah, yeah. And pull something really real out of I it. I mean, like, you, you start questioning 
Bruce Wayne's motives. You start questioning the sanity of Bruce Wayne. That guy is a psychopath. I mean, his parents got murdered. Okay, get some therapy and move on. Don't go out and 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 pummel people. <laughs> you know, now, I mean, <laughs> I don't subscribe to this new to this new uh, like view of Batman as a dark or broken or well, that uh, but Frank Miller started that back in the in the with with Dark Knight Returns and and Batman Year One and all that and and basically this new Batfleck movie is going to be. Dark Knight Returns all over again, and and I'm not I'm avoiding that movie at all costs. I mean, huh. uh, see that one actually looks interesting. Okay, all right, and fair and enough. I, I found like like I'm not going to win any popularity contest saying this, but I thought Man of Steel was better than any of those recent Marvel movies. Huh? It had problems, but I I liked it a whole lot. I thought it was a whole lot more interesting than well, Guardians. Of the what Galaxy. I know of what I've always known, and I'm from old school pre crisis DC. Because I'm old, um, Superman's a, a Boy Scout and would never allow that level of of collateral damage. And I know that they were trying to be dark and gritty, Chris Nolan like with the Superman with Man of Steel. And for me, it didn't work. Um, Superman's a, a Boy Scout. Superman's a good guy, and always, even in moral, there's no moral dilemma in him. Yes, but people will put him in a position where he has to make make choices. But he's a good guy, and that's yeah. it. And you don't... He doesn't ever do anything that makes anyone ever think anything other than that. And the place they went with, went with him in Man of Steel, I don't think was a, a good choice. Now, it made it darker, it made it grittier, it made it more realistic, and there, yeah, there would be collateral damage in a battle like that, but... Right, I, my I my Kal-El would never my Kal-El would never have let, allowed that level of collateral yeah. damage. Now, I, I it, it may be that I that I'm not remembering it as clearly, but I I remember it as him like not being able to control the situation well enough to avoid the collateral damage, sure, and not sure. so much uh, that he was being careless. Right, but um, no, but I don't I think, think he was being actually, careless, but but. My my Superman, the Superman I grew up with, would have figured out a way to make that not happen. He would have pulled something out and made it not happen. Yeah, and it, and it actually looks like they're using that as a plot point in that. And that's movie. that's going to be the whole thing. And and the minute that they announced Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne, I checked out and <laughs> and have made every effort to avoid anything about that movie whatsoever and don't care <laughs> you know I mean and I know that sounds callous and closed minded but I have there's a lot of impetus behind that there's a lot of reason for that it's not just any one factor there's a lot of factors but yeah. I didn't I didn't hate Man of Steel as much as everybody else did but mm-hmm. as time has gone on the flaws in that are more glaring to me, and maybe I need to give it a second it, viewing. But it—I mean, it had some problems. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but I can definitely see how you would feel based on the fact that you've said that you have problems with a lot of the Marvel movies. How you would like that better, that one better than some of the Marvel movies? But yeah. I think DC, whereas DC used to be 
America's sweetheart for comic book uh, genre or comic book that world, they've really fallen off the wagon. And I really think that Marvel coupling with Disney has really been able to tap into these solid storytelling quality, I guess quality is the wrong word, but really the solid, the, the kind of old, old, old film school notion of solid story and being able to tap into people's emotional centers better than DC has for a long time. Hmm. Yeah. Um, even if it's just, Hey, this is fun. Boom. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and Guardians of the Galaxy was pure fun beginning to end. I don't care about the Tesseract. I don't care about the overarching, you know, whatever, whatever the, the colored crystal du jour that is the thing that everybody's going after. I don't care about that. I don't care about Galacticus. I don't care about, I don't know about that. I don't care about it. It, to me, that movie was just so much goddamn fun. I didn't care. You know, Bradley Cooper played a fucking raccoon. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had, I had a lot of fun. That, see, see, what happened with me was I was kind of done with Marvel movies, but then I heard so many people talking up that movie. Yeah. That I was like, oh, it sounds like this one might be, like, different. And so I went and saw it, and it was it was pretty fun for, like, the first half, and then the second half just started the whole comic book movie. Everything happens uh, exactly the same sure, thing. Sure, By the end sure. of it, I was just so frustrated. I'm like, ah, there's a couple of there's a couple of YouTube videos and a couple of memes that that go through and show how every single one of those Marvel movies is the same story over and over and over again. Basically, the same same key plot points, same things happen, same story. But it, it's a formula, and but it, and it and it seems to be working. But um, you know, I'll go see whatever the next Marvel movie is just because it's fun, not out of a sense of obligation, just because I dig them. But I'm not putting a huge amount of of thought into it. I, I am a vi- big, big believer in in thoughtful entertainment and and uh, frivolous fun entertainment of of there being both and both being allowed to exist at the same time. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, oh, I, I wanted to get back to Batman. Oh, go for it. Go for like, it. Because because that's been kind of the thing to say about Batman for the last few years is is Batman is like the dark sort of moral gray area superhero the. The um, the hero we deserve. The psych- yeah, the psychologically flawed superhero, and I I really don't see it that way. Like I've always like I always see Batman as being the most pure of the superheroes, because if you look at every if you look at all of, like the objective qualities about Batman that his his path started when his parents were senselessly murdered before his eyes, like for no reason, and. He and so he he's left with this like huge inheritance and nothing to do with it, and he lives alone in a cave in a mansion, uh, with like him and a butler and nothing else, and and so he he spends like his youth gathering power and training his body and mind and and getting all of this advanced technology like everything about him is a supervillain. Like and he has every reason to turn into a supervillain. Like, but even but a, yet he always makes the choice to be that good guy. I've heard other people yeah. say that argument too. That every day yeah, he's he responded. He's responded to this total senseless tragedy by trying to make sense. He, he's to, he's taken the origin story that's created every other supervillain since supervillains were have became supervillains and decided to be a, a a hero. Well, not a hero, but decided to. 
be on the side of some form of justice or or whatever on uh, to be a good he decided to be a good guy in whatever yeah. form that he, that's going to take or whatever form the world allows him to be in that that role then yeah so yeah yeah i totally get what you're saying um the dark and the brooding thing um you kind of have to throw in some of the origins some of the bob kane origins of batman too of why he decided to you know it's all very very 1930s well bad guys are bad guys are psychologically this way so if i appeal to this or or yeah. uh, take on this visage that that you know bad you know crime doers or evil doers are are psychologically damaged and dark and superstitious so i will play on those things you know and it's yeah. all very you know da, 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 you know and yeah. and the world is a lot more gray areas than that now than it used yeah. to be but and and that's why I really liked Batman Begins because they took that oh, kind yeah. of origin, they yeah. took that origin of his Batman persona, and and updated it, made it a little bit more sophisticated. It, it, it's it's funny now that they're doing this Batman. Ever since they announced the Batman thing, and everybody's on a dividing line on, on the Batman Superman thing. Everybody's either shitting on it because of Affleck, or 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 can't wait because it's Dark Knight Returns. Um, those people who are can't wait, this is going to be awesome, are now all going back and shitting on the Chris Nolan movies, and and I don't. Dude, that's no I, good. Yeah, I yeah, those movies are good, and it, yes. the, well, the the thing Dark about Rises is not good. no 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 no, but but the the, the but that doesn't count. the, the only the about. only person in my estimation, the only person at fault for fucking up uh, Dark Knight Rises was Heath Ledger because he died. Um, had he been around, and that they didn't hadn't rewritten that story to go around the fact that he was no longer on this earth, there we would have wound up with a different movie. Um, so really, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like Star Trek Five didn't happen. So, <laughs> um, but but Batman Begins and the Dark Knight. That was the first time. Ever that we had comic book movies that did their best to adhere to a classic film school sense of what makes good cinema. Yes. There was no hummable theme song. There was no product placement. There was no pageant. 2001 has a hummable theme song. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So does Superman 79. And I love me some Salk and I love me some and then you know and they're still using the Elfman Batman theme and stuff. There, There was an animated series and they've used it in video games and they've used it in other stuff. So it was you know they they were using it on um there was another in the 90s or early 2000s there was another kind of super friends type show that was batman and they used the they used the uh Danny Elfman theme for that as well but there was elements to to batman begins and and dark knight that that had never been seen in a in a in a superhero movie in a comic book movie like that mm-hmm. before that was was 
it would it just it it was not just a good comic book movie. It was a good movie, period. Right. That just happened to be about a a comic book character that happened to be about a quote unquote superhero. Yeah, and if you recall in Batman Begins, they had to spend like the first two thirds of that movie yeah. getting you comfortable with the idea of a guy dressing up in a bat suit. Yeah. Crime. Like, he had to get comfortable with it. Yeah. It's it's uh the the extent to which they were able to ground Batman in reality. Yes, kind of and Liam Neeson as and it, you know some of us saw the Rachel Ghoul thing coming a mile away. If you knew if you knew Ducard and you knew you know Rachel Ghoul and you knew those characters who Denny O'Neill created those characters in the seventies. Mm-hmm. You know we saw that coming a mile away, but it didn't matter because it was still just oh my god, I can't believe it. And and you know it'd be nice if if. Uh, Ken Watanabe had have been in there more than thirty seconds, but um, <laughs> but you know Liam Neeson. That was a good, that was a good uh, yeah. trick, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Liam Neeson, Ducard slash Rachel Gould, just oh my god! I mean, it, just so many things about that. The the training that was the movie we wanted in '89. We wanted that movie that went through. Those years before, we wanted Batman Year One, and yeah. Batman Year One hadn't even been released yet. I don't think by '89. Maybe it was a little sooner than that. But we wanted that in '89, and some of the Sam Ham scripts that didn't get eventually used got out and were re- being read and were amazing. But it was they all was too dark and it was too boring and it was too too you know pedestrian or too too academic and it's like but that's who batman is he's a detective first and foremost he's a he's a guy who figures stuff out he does what cops can't do he's smarter than police he's he's smarter he's better he's faster he's because he has to be not because he's got a corporate sponsorship and and sells toys it's 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 a completely different aesthetic and yeah, there were toys and stuff associated with the Chris Nolan movies, but not it wasn't it wasn't about that. It was a it was a yeah. different it was they were trying to do a real grounding reality based version of all of that. Even yeah. even the first movie there was no CGI, very little CGI other than some like backgrounds and stuff. But the action mm-hmm. stuff, the vehicles, the cape, the cape was not animated in in you'd never have another movie without an animated cape or whatever you know all those actors you see them the all the guys in the marvel movies you see you see them in the in the photos the still photos wearing their cape but in the in the behind the scenes photos they're all wearing green dots on their back you know they don't have the cape they animate the cape they're the the cape was huh. was a practical effect in that movie that's cool yeah i didn't really realize that the capes were yeah well, yeah. in the, I don't know about Dark Knight, but that was a big deal. They made a big deal about Batman Begins was the practical effects in that movie, which oh. was cool. Cool. Okay, can we talk about Supergirl for a second? You talk about whatever you want. <laughs> okay. So, so I haven't I haven't watched yet. Is it out yet? I've I been, don't know. I don't know either. But go ahead. Uh, but, okay. So did you see that Saturday Night Live sketch with Scarlett <laughs> Johansson, and it was the the Black Widow movie trailer? I think I did. Yeah, it was uh, basically it was like you know people have complained that the Marvel movies don't have a lot of uh, female main, characters, you know, female characters, right? And so Santa where's Bad my Bad Wonder Bad Woman movie? Johansson on, yeah, and uh, and they uh, and and so they did a 
a a Black Widow movie trailer, and it was just like a dumb romantic comedy. Yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah, falls yeah. in love with Ultron, and yeah, yeah. turns out he's a bad guy. Sure, and she cries and eats ice cream. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so I saw that; it was funny, and then uh, hadn't thought about it in a while. And then I was in the theaters, and I see like the first look, like yes, form trailer yes, for we- Supergirl. And it's exactly the, the same, same thing. note for note as that sketch. It's exactly the same thing. It was one of the most offensive things I've ever seen. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I can't believe it's real. I still can't believe it's real. I don't know. It still made me want to give it a shot, though. Oof. I, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm still on the lookout for something good in the DC universe mm-hmm. to be made. Yeah. And, and... Yeah, yeah, there's things about it that are like, but at the same time, there's also, it, it kind of vacillates. Kind of half of it looks good and half of it doesn't. Half of it is, I don't want to wait for a lot to be other. And half of it is, here's this, here's this woman, young woman, a show about a woman, which on TV, a show about a woman trying to figure out who the fuck she is and what the fuck she's going to do with her life. And regardless of the fact that she's a superhero or whatever. And that's good. But unfortunately, TV, especially network TV, has a tendency... Yeah, I thought it was CBS. But anyway, network network TV has a tendency to do, okay, here's a show about a woman. We're going to put a man. You asked for a female lead character. Here's a movie. Here's a, here's a show that passes the, the Bechtel Wallace test. And she's going to cry and eat ice cream. God damn it. I mean, yeah, women cry and eat ice cream sometimes, but come I've on. I cry and eat ice cream. That's true. I, I cry and eat ice cream. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I tried to watch The Flash when it came up on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it took about 20 seconds for me to shut it off. Yeah, yeah. It's it's for kids. Oh, boy. Yeah, and, and my wife has watched Arrow and, you know, great, but that – it, it – from what I understand, it quickly diverted from what everything that Oliver Queen is supposed to be, um, you know, like they do. They can't just... That was the thing about going back to Batman Begins and Dark Knight. It, 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 it maintained the truth to what those stories originally were. And I, I feel like they're at least trying to do that with the Marvel movies. But DC keeps wanting to popify everything to pop stream mm. pop culture mainstream everything and it's just like stop already if you're gonna pop culture mainstream fine make bat make the 60s batman series and actually they're going to be doing an animated uh 60s an- uh, animated batman tv series set in the 60s with those costumes it's animated and it's gonna have uh, adam west and burt ward doing the voices Oh, good, good for them. And I cannot wait. I think that's amazing. <laughs> I really like Batman: Brave and the Bold. No reason though, not to do exactly. That. No reason not to love that. I mean, there. And I, I watched the Lou Scheimer filmation Batman and Robin Saturday morning cartoon in the seventies. I'm old. Uh, with Adam West and Burt Ward and uh, 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 Ted Knight doing a lot of the villains, and that was awesome. But um, yeah, DC. Uh, Kitty Kitty says DC stands for dumb choices, and it <laughs> seems to be that's what they're doing over and over and over and over again. And yeah. 
again, you know, even even like a show like Jane the Virgin, which which has won a Peabody Awards and amazing awards for being this really wonderful, positive, strong, feminine, passes the Becca Wallace test type show. Once you scratch a little bit beneath the surface, it's a soap opera. And I'm really glad that there there is a show out there that's aimed at bilingual, Latina bilingual teenage girls that is showing bilingual teenage women positively and feminist ideas positively, sex positive, etc. Positive, positive, positive. That's great. It's still aimed at teenage girls, so it's not for me. So I can't really criticize the show because it's hitting these really great positive points. It's just not made for me. So I can't, like I said, I can't shit on it. It's a good show. It's just not my milia. It's not made for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I've, I've given it a good shot. I gave it a good four or five episodes. But, but again, that going back with that, why can't they do that with Supergirl? Why can't they make a comic book right. show that hits those points, that has a positive, has sex positive, has female positive, has even, you know, not white culture positive notes in it or, to, or, or a- aspects to it, passes the Bechdel Wallace test, but also isn't girls crying and eat, eating ice cream. <laughs> but they made Jimmy Olsen black. Uh, fine. <laughs> Superman has a black friend. Fine. Don't have a problem with that. Don't have a problem with that. Uh, you know, great. I'm okay for, for gender bending characters. I'm okay, you know, uh, of, of transposing genders on characters. I'm okay with trans characters. I'm okay with, with, uh, differently race, differently race characters than they were. Cause you know, you know comic books were pretty freaking white for a long time. Um, and they still kind of are. Um, but okay. It, that's it, what I always liked about X-Men. X-Men is a, is a rainbow of diversity. Yeah. You, you got people of all it's races. Diversity. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's an allegory for diversity, and that's what I've always. That's what it's always been kind of cool about it. That's why I like those movies a lot too, and I'm glad they're kind of rebooted with a younger crowd, and that's cool. So, yeah. okay, so they've announced another Green Lantern movie, correct? Oh God, really? I think so. Hasn't Ryan Ryan Reynolds bothered us enough at this point? <laughs> I don't think they're going to do it with him. Yeah, that would be I think nice. It's going to be like rebooted, and they're going to pretend that one they, never happened. Uh, Are they going to make Green Lantern gay? That fine. I'd be fine with that. Um, I, I'm, I'm all for ga- I'm I mean, all for gayness everywhere, everything, all the time. I, I you know, personally, I'm kind of up to the neck or beyond with with. Doughy, white, straight guys. I mean, I'm done with James Franco. I'm done with with Jonah Hill. I'm done with uh, Seth Rogen. I'm done with that whole thing. I'm just kind of over that. I don't. Those movies don't speak to me anymore. Those movies don't give me any value. All those movies to me, all they do is say, "Aren't white guys awesome?" And I'm just kind of like. Okay, haven't we had thousands of years of that? It's time for something <laughs> else. So, but see, uh, uh, Jack Black was just on Nerdist, and they were talking about how back before the Ryan Reynolds Lantern movie got made, he put out a pitch to do to somebody 
uh, I don't remember who it was, to do a Green Lantern movie with him being the Green Lantern guy. You know, here's a chubby, chubby dude being, winds up being Green Lantern, and wouldn't that be yeah, fucking hilarious? No, no, yeah. he just needs the ring. That's all he needs is the ring. It could be, and it, and that's the great thing about Green Lantern. There was a black Green Lantern. There was an alien Green Lantern. There was different Green Lanterns. Green Lantern. Again, there's a gay Green Lantern. And, and that's the thing. Anybody can be Green Lantern, and that's kind of cool. So that'd be cool if they rebooted it or did a, did another Green Lantern movie. That'd be great if they did a black, gay, you know, whatever, transgendered <laughs> Green Lantern. I'd be okay with that. I mean, look at Sense8. There's a show with... Female characters, transgender characters, transgender characters played by transgender actors. Come on. I mean, come on. I need on. to get into that show. I, I, I haven't watched it. I've, I've seen bits of it. My wife loved it. I'm going, it's one of those things I'm going to binge watch once we have time. Yeah. Um, now that I've kind of finished Jane the Virgin, my wife and, and my stepdaughter can go on and do that. But I really want to watch Sense8. We got through everything else that we had been meaning to finish. We finished The Strain. We finished... Uh, we still haven't finished Mr. Robot yet. We still got a couple more episodes of that. But we finished. We got we got down the rabbit hole of Community and finally got through the end of the Yahoo episodes. And oh my god, that show totally went, came back and redeemed itself in the sixth season. Six seasons and a movie. So, uh-huh. um, so uh, music. You like comic? Uh, you don't not so big on the comic book movies, but you like movies. You like uh, some comic book ideas and stories. Uh, anything else that really kind of, uh, kind of, as we're kind of winding down here, wow. anything else that really kind of uh, satisfies your dorkdom qualifications? Gosh, uh, off the top of my head, uh, can't. It can be. It can be anything. Books, you know, books, TV, movies, whatever, and comics, whatever. I mean, you know, or let's 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 go on to the recommendations portion. What is there anything out oh, that's coming mm-hmm. out? It can be anything. Anything yeah, well, that you've seen new, or that you know that's coming out that you want to hit people to. Yeah, new new Joanna Newsom album. It's called Divers. It's coming out on the twenty third, and okay. I, I can't wait. Cool. Um, That's going to be available in the usual channels, your your yeah. Amazons and your your iTunes and all that. I believe so. Yeah, Joanna Newsom, um, cool divers, yeah. excellent. Um, gosh, uh, what's new? Um, anything you've seen recently? Anything that you've gone back and deep dove? You said you've been going back and watching classic movies. Uh, we can put up a link for 2001. Yeah, 2001. Um, anything else Incredible. along those lines? Old TV shows? I've been watching the shit out of some Benny Hill lately. I I huh. have uh, I use a, 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 a streaming aggregator uh, and I've been watching whole ninety or whole uh, sixty minute episodes of Benny Hill from the sixties and late sixties, early seventies. Um, a lot of people who were into uh, British comedy kind of dismiss Betty Hill as too base, um, uh, but I've gone back and, and really kind of been able to pick out the gems of that show of the, those shows. Of they're basically kind of like hour hour long variety shows. Um, he put out four or five a year, and and God that God damn that guy wrote every word. Every word, every syllable of every song, every joke he wrote came out of his brain. Just a font wow. of, of comedic and, and, wow. and musical talent. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, it's pretty rad. Uh, you know what's coming out soon is season two of Going Deep with David Reese. Oh, that's which is cool. an amazing show. Okay, all right. Um, 
and currently, I believe starting tomorrow or something, he's going to be uh, in a van driving around the country doing his social media strategy. Cool. For uh, he, he had to come up with a social media strategy for the show, and so he's going to drive across the country in a van and put up flyers. <laughs> <laughs> Ending in L.A. Uh, on the Isn't 30th. it funny? We, you know, we got the internet, and now people are going more analog, you know, local analog, uh, in-your-face type ways to get people's attention, to get people away from their goddamn phones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's an amazing show. Um, and, uh, uh, gosh, what else? Um, oh, new podcast that's, uh, or relatively new. I guess it's been out for a few months, but it's called Mystery Show. Okay. Have you ever seen this? I uh, have not. It's, um... It's Starly Kine from uh, uh, This American Life. Okay. And she, uh, Encyclopedia Brown style, solves mysteries for, for her friends. Cool. And, uh, it, you know, the rules are it can't be something that you can solve just by clicking around the internet. And so, yeah, it's been... It's been all kinds huh. of stuff. It's been interesting. Uh, There's been a, uh, quite a few offshoots. Obviously, every you, me, and everybody else in the under God's creation has listened to Serial, um, yeah. and which always reminds me of because of the tone of it of the Black Tapes podcast. And now there is an offshoot of the Black Tapes podcast. One of the producers, producer Alex from Black Tapes, is now doing uh, uh, Tannis, which is. A brand new mystery along the same ilk of black tapes, and it's it's like a it's a uh, boy. How do you describe it? It's it's um, kind of like a an audio play almost, uh, um, uh, like a documentary style, you know, podcast or radio style documentary audio play, um, and it's it's that kind of encompasses some real mythologies. And real things like uh, the, this last episode kind of talked about number stations, which were the old uh, shortwave radio stations that are some of them are still in existence where you go and you hear like a little ditty of a tune and then some, you know, crazy uh, robot or mechanical voice spouting off random numbers that are supposed to be sending messages to spies in other countries. Huh. And there it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That's look up, cool. go to Wikipedia number stations. It's fascinating. I went down a big rabbit hole on Wednesday about that. Just down two hours, just re- re- listening to number stations and gre- getting creeped the hell out. Um, uh, one other thing, uh, last thing from a uh, former podcast guest and uh, uh, somebody I got to talk to uh, uh, and was very nice to me at... Um, uh, Podfest was Wayne Fetterman. His uh, album, The Chronicles of Fetterman, was just released on Friday. That's a okay. 30, 30 year, three CD retrospective of stand up comedy. It's three decades of comedy from a legend you may have heard of. <laughs> that is The Chronicles of Fetterman. And, and uh, I have taken to any time I see him, he's popped up on New Girl and X Files and other shows throughout his career. And any time I see him, uh, it's like once you buy a certain brand of car, you suddenly start seeing that car everywhere. Or once you hear a band, you start hearing their song everywhere. Uh, now that I see Wayne Fetterman everywhere, and every time I do, I snap a pic and stick it up on Twitter and say, Fetterman is everywhere. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, well, I don't know if I have any other like recommendations coming off the top of my head right now. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes, I do. Uh, it's an album by some friends of mine called Careers, 
Uh, the band is called Chamber Band. Okay, Chamber Band um, Careers. I'll put a link up. Yeah, it is... Oh, both of their albums, actually, would be good for your audience. Okay. Um, their first album is called Deities, and it's a concept album about Dungeons & Dragons. Nifty. Uh, and it, it's, like, kind of acoustic-driven uh, indie rock. Okay, okay. Genre, okay. but, okay. Uh, like, highly metaphorical lyrics, but all sort of based in the world of Dungeons & Dragons. How much uh, how, how much ukulele is in there? <laughs> no ukulele. All right, okay, I'm in, I'm yeah. in. <laughs> acoustic guitar, drums... Uh, so not twee pop, but real indie rock, not not yeah, twee indie pop. Rock. Indie. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, and their second album, uh, Careers, is about uh, Hunger Games. <laughs> it's a little bit heavier. It's got a little bit more electric stuff. Uh, uh, I love I love how nerd culture is kind of like building upon itself now. I like that hey. a lot. It's kind of like in the old days of the corporate world, you had business businesses supporting other businesses, and now you have nerd fandoms building upon other nerd fandoms. That's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, chamberband dot uh, com. Cool is is where you can find that. But yeah, they're they're great. I will put up a link. Cool. Um, great. We got, to uh, do, uh, we got to do that Hunger Games one as a preview episode before it came out. Cool. That cool. Oh, that's fun. That's it's always fun to get a little leg up on stuff. That's cool. Uh, Patrick, tell us about your, um, to give us a, your info. Where can people find you online? Plug your shit. Uh, it's at repeatallpodcast.com. And you can link to everything else from there. Twitter, Facebook, uh, RSS feed, iTunes. Um, uh, the, the, the website is pretty easy to navigate. It's just one page. It's covered in uh, album covers. You click on one. Uh, you can also just hit slash to to find the album you like. Oh, cool! Repeatallpodcast.com cool. slash flood. Uh, go slash go review. listen to the uh, disintegration uh, episode yes, with yours truly, episode thirty-seven, I believe. Yep. Cool. And it's coming out this Friday. So the um the what you call it? Uh, what day is that? The twenty. 20- Third or some yeah it would be twenty third yeah that's the, yeah. the weekend so Friday the weekend before Halloween when that episode comes out cool. um yeah so um cool yeah so yeah repeatallpodcast.com slash disintegration cool great cool thanks very much um looking forward to listening to that thank you for having me on your podcast and thank you yeah, very absolutely. much for being for on being on me. ours um I'm at St. Michael on Twitter. That's S-A-Y-N-T-M-Y-K-L. You can find us online as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and Google+. Check out our blog and listen to past episodes on WordPress. Email us at Something2XP at gmail.com. And remember, please be kind. You've just listened to the Something Something Experience podcast with your hosts, Michael John Simpson and Kitty Brown. Something 2XP was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Ciceri. You can find us everywhere online as Something 2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and WordPress. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Google+. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind.